Um, the first thing we're going to do is have the Pledge of Allegiance, and there are some wonderful folks here for the Broward Good News, which would be Paul Rowley, Nick Berry, Sean Bombard, Leanne Henderson, Joan Goodnight, uh, Deborah Allen, Emmy Delpama, Skip Skadnick, Ruthann Stadnick, and Isaac Brooks. If they would lead us in the Pledge of Allegiance, we'd appreciate it very much. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, with liberty and justice for all. It's customary before the beginning of each county commission meeting for us to observe a moment of silence to honor people from our community who have recently passed away. Colleagues, do you have anyone you'd like to remember during the moment of silence? Commissioner Wexler. Oh. Oh. No, 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 I'm good. Are you sure? I'm good. Oh. Yes. Um, we have um, an individual that passed away about 10 days ago in Broward County. Her name is, was Shirley Sumner. Her name is Shirley Sumner. Many of you in this audience that are old timers like George and myself remember Shirley very well. Um, she was an activist in Sunrise Lakes and she was deeply involved and committed to her community. Now, not only what, did she live three, three different phases of her life, one in California, one in Dallas, Texas, and one in Sunrise, Florida, but she lived to the ripe old age of 99 years old. That, that's what needed to be celebrated and that's what we celebrated last Friday afternoon. And I hope that she, she never had children. She did have um, grand nephews and grand nieces that she loved dearly and she was extremely philanthropic in our community. If you will remember her family and your thoughts and prayers. Thank you, Mayor. Well said. Um, Commissioner Holman? No. Um, oh, Commissioner Ryan. I'd like to recognize the uh, passengers and crew of the Egyptian Air Flight, uh, the 66 passengers and crew that perished uh, in that terrible uh, plane crash just this past week. And um, uh, Commissioner Lamarca it can hear us, uh, but we're having technical problems, so he can't speak. And he had asked me to remember John Gillespie, who was a resident of Lighthouse Point, an attorney. He was also an avid pilot. He was a general counsel pro bono for 20 years for John Knox Village Retirement Community in Pompano Beach and a very longtime Broward County resident. He's going to be missed as well. And as always, let's please keep the, our, our, the people, the men and women that serve us valiantly and faithfully in our thoughts and prayers. Thank you. This morning, we heard the song Take a Bow by Madonna. And this afternoon, you will, uh, we will hear You Sang Me by Mark Anthony at the request of Commissioner Holness. I designated this year as the year of good news. And at each commission meeting, we bring good news to the public by highlighting the successes of our county, the economic engines of small businesses, residents who are good Samaritans, and other positive happenings. This week, Commissioner Ryan will be providing some very exciting good news to us. Uh, so, Commissioner Ryan, uh, take it away. Nothing's as exciting as when you present it, Marty. Thank you. I agree with that. No, I'm just kidding. The, uh, the City of Wilton Manor's Community Affairs Advisory Board held its first ever Community Spirit Awards and accepted nominations from residents for the city's volunteer individual and volunteer business of the year. The city honored resident Paul Rowley as the volunteer individual of the year and the, year, and the city's popular eatery, 
Courtyard Cafe, represented by owners Nick Berry and Sean Bombard as the Volunteer Business of the Year for their countless contributions to the city and its residents at its annual Volunteer Appreciation Luncheon that was held on Saturday, May 14th. So I'm going to come to the podium and I'm going to ask if I will be joined by Paul Rowley, Nick Berry, Sean Bombard, um, the Wilton Manor City Manager, uh, Leanne Henderson, and the City of Wilton Manor's Community Affairs Advisory Board members, Deborah Allen, the Chair, Emmy DePalma, Skip Stadnick, Ruthann Stadnick, and Isaac Brooks. I have a proclamation that I'm going to read. Whereas community involvement and volunteerism have been a foundation to the success and part of the history of Broward County and the City of Wilton Manors, and whereas the City of Wilton Manors Community Affairs Advisory Board made a call for nominations for its 2015 Community Spirit Awards to honor notable island city individuals and business. Whereas the City of Wilton Manor's resident, Paul Rowley, received numerous nominations from the community, whereas submissions celebrated Mr. Rowley's dedication to the City of Wilton Manor's in Broward County. They highlighted his community service and leadership positions, such as President of the Central Area Neighborhood Association, member of the City of Wilton Manor's Budget Review Committee, member of the Taste of the Island Board, member of the Finance Committee and Senior Advisory Council of the Pride Center at Equality Park and participation in many community groups. And whereas the CAAB unanimously voted to recognize Mr. Paul Rowley as Individual Volunteer of the Year for the 2015 Community Spirit Awards, now therefore it is proclaimed by the Board of County Commissioners of Broward County that the Board hereby designates Tuesday, May 24th, 2016, as Paul Rowley Appreciation Day in Broward County. And there's two other proclamations. We'll go right to the uh, individual part. Uh, whereas the Courtyard Cafe owners Nick Berry and Sean Bombard received numerous nominations from the community, and whereas submissions recognized the Courtyard Cafe's many contributions to the City of Wilton Manors, which include hosting benefits for the City of Wilton Manors Police Special Olympics Program, City of Wilton Manors Veterans Day event, Children's Diagnostic Center, Florida AIDS Walk, Island City University, Kids in Distress, Wilton Manors Business Association, Wilton Manors Historical Society, Pride Center at Equality Park, The Smart Ride, and Women in Network. And whereas the Community Affairs Advisory Board unanimously voted to recognize the Courtyard Cafe as Volunteer Business of the Year for the year 2015 Community Service Community Spirit Award. Now, therefore, it is proclaimed by the Board of County Commissioners of Broward County that the Board hereby designates Tuesday, May 24, 2016, as Courtyard Cafe Day in Broward County. Gentlemen, Sean, Sean, and Nick.
You know, it's really easy to do what we do when, we're, when we live where we live in Wilton Manors. We have a lot of great businesses that do the same thing as us. Uh, there's many businesses that join the bandwagon and help us. So if we want to start a fundraiser, a lot of them get on board. It's, it's a really, really neat community, and it's really fun to give back to the community. The community has made our business successful, and we like to give back to the same. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's an honor to be here. It's an honor to receive the proclamation. We in Wilton Manors, as Nick said, are very fortunate. We have a lot of individuals here in our city who are willing to step up and give up their time. We have a great city, and we're happy to be in the county. Thank you. Tim, and don't forget there are T-shirts. The Broward Good News T-shirts. <laughs> Mayor, you know, uh, considering this is uh, Commissioner Ritter's last meeting, I think we should hassle her throughout the meeting in certain ways. I don't think she should be left, uh, you know, to be, you know, we start planning and thinking some things. I, I think that's a phenomenal idea, and I fully okay, support so it. Okay, so let's let's work on that. Just just don't forget that what you give, you get back double. Yeah. <laughs> in that case, I'm out. You know. <laughs> Dale, your mic's not on. I think I'm going to be very kind. As we, as I started with "Take a Bow," that was that song was for you, uh, Stacy. Oh, very good. And, and later we'll we'll hear a little salsa to celebrate and have a great time also. Absolutely. Thought we'd add a little bit of, in the mix of the diversity that we have and enjoy some salsa music later. Absolutely. For those of you in the audience, please turn off and silence your cell phones. Any member of the audience who wishes to address the county commission on an item on today's agenda, please come forward and fill out a speaker form located on the dais and furnish it to staff. Once an item is called, further speak-up sign-ups will not be allowed and you may not be permitted to speak. When you are called upon, you will have three minutes to speak. Please keep your comments to the subject being discussed. We ask that you address the commission in a polite manner and that you refrain from making impertinent remarks or personal attacks. If you fail to do so, you will not be permitted to continue speaking. Please be respectful of those who are speaking today. We do not allow any applause, cheering, or booing during the meeting. Any person disrupting the proceedings will be asked to leave the chamber. Before I read the Monday night memo, I've been told by county staff that the microphone and the speakers are, are now working and that we have both Commissioner Sharif and Commissioner Lamarca on the, on the, uh, on the mic. So I'm going to ask, Commissioner Lamarca, can you hear me? Are you there? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Sharif, can you hear us? I can hear you loud and clear. Hear them back there, but we don't. If the if the folks in the back uh, are able to transfer that up here somehow, that would be be great. But right now we can't hear them. Uh, it's true. It's true. Uh, so we'll we're, we'll they're working on that. Hopefully they'll be able to get that fixed. 
Um, right now, I'm going to read the Monday night or the Tuesday morning memo. The following requests are submitted for your consideration. Consent items are numbers 1 through 49. Withdrawals, deferrals. Item number 39, deferred to June 14, 2016 at the request of the applicant. Scrivener's errors. Item number 62. Exhibit 2, page 6, line 18, currently reads Transportation Surtax Ordinance. It should read Infrastructure Surtax Ordinance. The mayor requests without objection that items number 50, 52, 53, 54, 58, 60, 61, 64, and 65 be moved to consent. Additional material for the 10 a.m. meeting. Item number 1B and 1C board appointments. Item number 47 submitted by county administration. Item number 48, letter to the county auditor from DeRose Design Consultant, Inc. Item number 58, the fiscal impact from Office of Management and Budget. Item number 58-2, memo to the board from Commissioner Mark Bogan. Item number 59, memo to the board from Finance and Administrative Services Department. Item number 61, the fiscal impact from Office of Management and Budget. Item number 62, memo to the, office, the board from Office of Economic and Small Business Development. Item number 62, I, uh, two, sample resolution submitted by the Office of the County Attorney. Item number 62-3, letter to the board from Weiss, Sirota, Healthman, Cole, and Bierman, and Gorin, Cheroff, Duty, and Ezrell. Item number 63, proposed amendments to resolution submitted by Commissioner Tim Ryan. Item number 63, subsection 2, submitted by the Office of County Attorney. Additional information, 10 a.m. meeting. Item number 57 will be taken up immediately following the consent agenda. Item number 59 is a time certain at 11 a.m. Item number 59, Commissioner Bogan requests to be a co-sponsor. Item number 62 and 63 will be heard in conjunction with the discussion of public hearing item number 6. Additional material for the 2 p.m. meeting. Item number six, proposed amendments to ordinance submitted by Commissioner Ryan. Item number 62-62, substitute section 31.5-72, submitted by the Office of the County Attorney. Item number 63, uh, number, uh, number memo to the board from Office of Economic and Small Business Development. Item number 64, substitute section 31.5-75, submitted by Commissioner Tim Ryan. At this time, I'm going to be I'm going to ask my colleagues on the county commission if they'd like to uh, pull anything from the consent agenda. We'll start with Commissioner Bogan. I'd like to pull number 60 and number 58. 60, 58. Okay, uh, Commissioner Holness. Thirty-five. Okay. Commissioner Lamarca, can you hear us? Commissioner Sharif. Commissioner Ryan. No polls. Commissioner Ritter. Are you sure it's your last meeting? Oh. <laughs> sure. Commissioner Wexler. I'd like fifty-eight to stay on regular. Fifty-eight. Okay. Forty-four and fifty-eight. Forty-four and fifty-eight. I'm going to, I'm merging, you guys are merged right now. Okay. <laughs> uh, county Administrator. County Attorney. None. County Auditor. None, sir. Great. So, of course, uh, com uh, Commissioner Lamarca, can you hear us? Commissioner Sharif. Mayor.
have number eight, 18, 19, uh, for questions only. So I guess we can keep that on consent if nobody, nobody else has pulled it. So just for questions only. 20 is for questions only as well, so we'll keep those on consent because nobody's pulled them. And 29. So if I got this right, consent items are numbers 1 to 49. Uh, move to consent has been items number 50, 52 to 54, 61, and 65. Regular items are 50 to 68, 64, 60, 35, 58, 44, 8, 18, and 29. Uh, can I have a motion to approve the Give consent agenda? <laughs> oh, I can hear you just fine, but I... Does, I, does your... Consent? 47 is on consent? I believe so. I believe so. Mayor, you have oh. 60 items on regular. Uh, 60 is on regular. And actually, there's another pull, uh, pulled item from the audience, which is item number 47, which is uh, now going to be moved over as well to... Uh, to the regular items. And 60 is on regular as well. So with that, with the addition of item number 47, do I have a motion to move the consent agenda? There's been a motion and a second. All in favor signify by saying aye. All opposed? Oh, wait, we got another one. Hold on. There's also item number 49 uh, was just pulled as well. So with the addition of item number 49, can I have another motion to move the consent? All in favor signify by saying aye. All opposed? Show the item passes unanimously. We're now going to move on to the first item, uh, which is a on the consent agenda. We'll give the audience a second before we start. Since this is a long day, each uh, person that's going to speak will have exactly two minutes to speak. The first item that has been pulled uh, was pulled by Russell Rand, which is item number eight. Uh, Mr. Rand, it's good to see you as always. Uh, not till the end of consent agenda. Yeah. So um, thank you, Russell, for being here. And uh, whenever you are ready, uh, you may start. That's not right. Through the looking glass, that Zarina Ritter is on the board, and they needed a Mad Hatter, and who better to be the Mad Hatter for the opening party Thursday? I just want to make some brief comments on the uh, $291,000 for BSO Next Generation Computer Aided Dispatch Training, which is very uh, important. We're coming upon the hurricane season June 1st, and something may actually form in the next few days off uh, the east coast of Florida. So. Um, you have the new dispatch centers and some issues, you know, little things that need to be tweaked and whatnot. So it's going to be critical. The learning curve is going to be very steep in a, uh, if we do have an emergency catastrophic type event, which is going to be compounded by, you know, the lack of viability of training on this new apparatus and uh, any disaster 
is always compounded by the multiplicity of things that happen along the way. So I just wanted to emphasize uh, coming upon the uh, storm season and uh, to uh, get as much training in under the belt as possible to increase the viability of a response on part of first responders in Broward County. Very good. Thank you. There's been a motion and a second. All in favor signify by saying aye. aye. All opposed? <laughs> Commissioner Lamarca? Nope. Uh, <laughs> Commissioner Lamarca? I think you said aye. Um, if you did not say aye, let us know later on, but we're putting zero uh, at no, this time. Needed, sorry. 18, which was also pulled by the public. Mayor. Oh, uh, hi, uh, Commissioner Sharif. Mayor. <laughs> yeah, we, we can't hear. Welcome to, but um, but we're going to keep on moving along. And if once the uh, staff is able to really fix it to make it to where it's clear, uh, we'll be able to interact with you a little bit better. Uh, so the next one we're moving on to is item number 18, which was also pulled by Mr. Rand, which is a motion to approve a memorandum of agreement between Broward County and the city of Miami. Uh, Mr. Rand, uh, you are welcome to kick it off. Continue along in the same vein, and uh, you know there's lots of money available from the federal after 9/11 for, you know, uh, mass casualty uh, terrorist type things, and especially with what's going on these days, everybody's terrified of uh, of just living. And um, still, the greatest mass casualty event would be a, a hurricane or so. And uh, based on the 1926 hurricane, I'll remind you. According to the Hurricane Center, there would be about $300 billion damage, and there would be approximately 15,000 people possibly killed. And, uh, and reading before Katrina that New Orleans had 10,000 body bags on hand for just such an event uh, were it to occur. And um, so that's still the vast priority that we have. You know, 98% of anything that's going to happen is going to be a, a storm-related hurricane and not necessarily a terrorist strike or a mass event. You know, we spend a lot of money in preparation for a lot of nothing uh, going on. And when we had the tornado a few months ago, you know, the weather guy tweeted at 545 in the morning, this is tornado weather, and then it struck at about 930, and our guys got out about an hour and a half, two hours later, so you're kind of running along to catch up after the fact, you know. Um, but the weather guys have a great deal of foresight into these things and all, and um, we hope there's no terrorist attack or mass casualties. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Rand. Is there a motion? Second. There's been a motion and a second. All in favor signify by saying aye. All opposed? Show the item passes unanimously. Um, there is, the next item we're moving on to is item number 29, which was also pulled by the public, uh, Mr. Rand, and it is a motion uh, to note for the record emergency agreement with Sonic Messaging Systems, Inc. Uh, Mr. Rand, come on up. We're giving you a lot of quad workout today, up and down. Yeah. Oh, hold on one sec. Set your timer. Uh, as soon as you're ready. 
being a first responder for 29 years, um, I'm amazed, first of all, that they even have pagers anymore. Uh, it's kind of an antique device, but I guess cell phones won't work and all. And um, back when they had landlines, I remember a coworker saying, because we were all going to report after a hurricane, and he was like, I'm just going to pull my telephone wire off the house <laughs> so nobody's going to contact me. And um, as in any disaster, you know, half the people show up, if even that. So it's good that you're spending the money. Um, and let's hope that more than half the people show up when, when you need them. Very important. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Rand. There's been a motion and a second. All in favor signify by saying aye. aye. All opposed? Show the item passes unanimously. Uh, we're now moving on to item number 35, which was pulled by uh, Commissioner Holness, and that's a motion to award an open-ended contract to a low bidder, AirMac Controls. Uh, Commissioner Holness. Yeah, I, I just want to commend our staff for uh, putting forward these sheltered market program, these reserves. I tell you. And, 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 and finally, I, I feel a bit more comfortable now, after many years, that we're collecting the data that we need to ensure that uh, our practices in awarding contracting opportunities uh, can be scrutinized for parity when it comes to awarding contracts to small business, women-owned, minority-owned businesses. Uh, you know, in, in, in 2011, uh, in January, we had that study that basically calls for us uh, to ensure that we have the data in place because that uh, disparity study could not clearly uh, tell us where we stood with that. Anecdotally, uh, it said we were having issues with awarding a fair share amount of contracting uh, opportunities and business opportunity to women, minority uh, own businesses and small businesses, but we couldn't define it clearly. So hopefully uh, we will uh, have this uh, data collect very robustly and, and that all our departments will work to ensure uh, that we're putting the information in and that we're seeking to enhance opportunities for our small business or minority and women-owned business. There's been a motion and a second. All in favor signify by saying aye. aye. All opposed? Commissioner Lamarck and Sharif? Okay. Uh, show the item passes uh, 7 to 0, item number 35. We're now moving on to item number 44, which is a motion to retro retro retroactively approve uh, an agreement between Broward County and the Children's Services Council. It was pulled by Commissioner Furr. Uh, Commissioner Furr. Thank you. Um, I'm going to support it only because it's, it's only going to last through September 30th, 2016, but this is actually a bad practice. Um, what we're essentially doing is asking uh, for temporary workers that are working in the library uh, to, to work in the after-school program. That's, we're not holding up our end of the bargain. Our end of the bargain is we're supposed to have experienced staff. We're supposed to be working with those kids in the library after school. Instead, we're essentially hiring substitutes for the entire time we're there. This is not good, and it's unfortunately symptomatic of the, the fact is we're very far behind in hiring on the libraries in general. And I know I've, I've talked to Ms. Henry about this, and I know there's something in place now to try to speed that up, but the fact is we're way behind on hiring. 
And this, is, this isn't fair to the kids. It's not fair to CSC and the funding that we have with them. So it's, it's for a very short amount of time. But my hope is if we are able to get the, funding, get the hiring going quicker, that we end this practice as soon as possible. And I'll go ahead and support it for the time being. Oh, uh, Commissioner Wexler. Thank you. He, he couldn't be more correct. But the bigger question is to the hiring. And I know that Mr. Hernandez uh, reached out to commissioners, I guess it was about three weeks ago, about three weeks ago or so, um, sharing with us about the delay and the significant amount of openings that have been um, um, ongoing in libraries for way too long. And I know that you've made some adjustments now in order to get them some help to go through their HR. But I think it's important enough. It's now been three weeks, and at that point in time, there were 75 openings. Where are we in hiring three weeks later? So, Commissioner, we've put together a, um, I'll call it an HR task force of resources that we've borrowed from various county you. agencies. They've been assigned various job classifications. Um, we're in the process of posting and advertising many of those classifications. Um, um, we haven't hired any individuals yet because we're still going through that advertising process, but we are actively recruiting. If it's okay, and uh, uh, for the folks in the back, um, I know that we would love to have Commissioner Sharif and Commissioner Lamarca participate, but it's it's almost like background noise to us, and it's very difficult for us to hear what's happening on the dais. So until um, the problem is fixed, uh, I think it's important to have them on mute. So if you could mute them. Are they going to be able to fix this problem? I don't know. They, they had told me that it would take about an hour, and they were hopefully, hopeful it would. Oh. Um, so I know they're working on it, but they let's please just mute them for the time being. If, and if you could do that as well, uh, Commissioner Shreve, if you can hear us, um, we hear a lot of background noise. If you could please mute uh, your device until the problem is fixed. And, you're, and, and also with you as well, Commissioner Lamarca. And sorry, Commissioner Wexler, to interrupt That's okay. you. okay. I don't think they can hear us. Okay. Worked. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, now, Mr. Hernandez, so you're still in the, in the throes of advertising. You've put together a temporary task force That's HR correct. team from other divisions to try to expedite this um, effort. Um, I would ask that every 30 days between now and September 30th that the commissioners, at least these two commissioners right here, um, I want an update as to what's going on, and I suspect Commissioner Furr does. I don't know if others want it or not, but I'd really like to make sure that this is moving in the right direction because Right now, um, weeks later, the answer is still we're at the same place, except we're putting a team together. But those slots need to be filled. And if we're having a problem, then that needs to be brought back, and we need to figure out what the problem actually is. Okay? Happy to provide you Thank that report. You. And we're also providing an aggressive or conducting an aggressive recruitment drive in which we uh, plan to attend the American Library Association's conference in Orlando uh, in June where we will have a display and uh, we will be aggressively recruiting for all positions in the library to include the library director <laughs> position that is currently vacant. There's been a motion and a second. All in favor signify by saying aye. aye. 
All opposed? Show the item passes seven to zero. That's item number 44. We're now moving on to an item that was pulled by the public, which is item number 47. And that is a motion to file the county auditor's report, the review of hourly billing rates, Miller Lagan Associates, Inc., North County Neighborhood Improvement Project, Southwest Quadrant, and Bid Package 12. Uh, this is, was uh, an item from the county auditor. So there are a number of folks from the public that have signed up to speak. But before we go to the public, it is the county auditor's item. So if, uh, Mr. Lukic, if you would like to uh, speak on this, of course, you're welcome to. Sure. Thank you. I'll introduce the item. Um, this is part of a series of uh, uh, hourly billing rate audits that we've done uh, since 2013. Um, this is, we specifically look for the contract requirements for our hourly billing, um, which is based on actual cost plus a negotiated profit. And typically a contract has a maximum, is capped by a maximum allowable billing rate. Uh, what we found in this review was that the Miller Leg billed the maximum hourly rate uh, in our sample. And uh, from our discussion with them, it appears that that was their methodology, billing at the maximum rate for the entire contract period, which is significantly higher than the actual rate that they're paying their employees. Um, Miller Leg and one sub overbilled the county uh, $35,700 uh, for the invoice periods that we reviewed. It resulted, uh, their methodology resulted in calculated profits of 29 to 94% versus the contracted and negotiated profit rate of 10%. Uh, we extrapolated the billings for purposes of identifying the potential exposure of the county, and we believe over the entire contract period that the overbillings could be as high as $1.6 million. We further looked at the uh, billings since 2010 and arrived at approximately $800,000 of overbilling. Uh, it's important to note that two of the subs we reviewed uh, did not bill more than their actual uh, paid to their employees. With that, I'll, uh, I'll uh, sit quietly until I have an opportunity to address any issues that come forward uh, from the public or from the board. Thank you, Mr. Lukic. Uh, we're now going to move on to the public, and there are four speakers that have signed up. Uh, the first person that signed up is Dylan Larson. Uh, from Miller Lake. Hi, Mr. Larson. Hello. Uh, Dylan Larson, I'm a principal with Miller Lake. Um, I think one of the things that's important to note that the uh, this item was discussed, I think, back in November 2015, discussion of ambiguity and billing rates and so forth. I want to make it clear Miller Lake's intent was not to overbill and, and built the county. The work was performed by staff. There wasn't phantom billings. Work was done. The project was done. The, the, the county received an improved infrastructure neighborhood improvement project that added value to the county. This is not a case of phantom billings and things like that. Exhibit B, as we've talked about, we've built in accordance with that. I must emphasize that that um, billing that the county does is more complex than any other contracts we have. And the involvement we have to have with attorneys now before, during, and after contract are more complex than contracts we have with other municipalities, but other counties and entities larger than Broward County, including DOT, South Florida Water Management District, the uh, federal government, and two national cemeteries we built in Sarasota and Palm Beach County, Palm Beach County itself, Volusia County, Miami-Dade, and St. Lucie County, and Seminole County, and the school board of Broward County. I think part of the issue too is it was evident if 
we were billing inconsistently, it could have been identified by any number of people in the county system. Nobody thought we were, and we didn't, because the contract is ambiguous. After eight years of billings, somebody could have said, you're obviously billing inconsistent if we always billed at the same rates, and there wasn't variation over the eight years and 93 pay periods. To point out, in 2007, not 2016 after the contract's over, to try to have a clawback. Okay, the commission reviewed this in November 2015, identified some inconsistencies that need to happen across the board, and, and myself and other representatives spoke seeking that clarification across the board, so us consultants don't have to struggle with this on an ongoing basis. Thank you. Uh, the next person on the queue is Leslie Hernandez from uh, Miller Lake. Hi, Ms. Hernandez. Hi, good morning, everyone. My name is Leslie Hernandez. I'm the Chief Financial Officer for Miller Leg, and thank you for allowing us to speak. Um, we, as Dylan said, we had the opportunity to work on the North County Neighborhood Improvement Project. It was a wonderful project. It improved the lives of thousands of residents in Broward County. Um, what happens um, is we get awarded the contract and then we go to negotiations. And we sit down and we talk about the fees. You review our pay structure, we, we provide hourly billing rates and payroll backup, and we provide a FAR audit so that you know that our pay structure is sound and reasonable and that we have an audited FAR rate, and then we build those rates and we put them on Exhibit B. The contract clearly states that we bill the hourly raw salary rate as shown on Exhibit B. So when we got audited, pulled for audit in early 2015, we said, you know, we're billing in accordance with Exhibit B. We provided all of the backup that was requested by the auditor's office, and we were told that we were supposed to be billing at raw salary rates for each individual times the multiplier, and that resulted in a discrepancy. So the discrepancy, you know, it's not a matter of, of anything else other than our interpretation of the contract. So we came and we spoke because we wanted to have a global solution to this back in October 27th and then it was deferred on November 10th. And we decided, and the commission decided that we were gonna partner and we were gonna take the recommendations of the auditor and, and say, well, there are ambiguities in the contract. In early November 15th, the contract was revised and then the commission decided on November 10th that we would prospectively apply the corrections. And so the whole system worked and we go from December or January of 2015 forward with these corrections and not retroactive. We ask that you stick by the November 10th decision and, and not apply the current auditor's recommendations. Thank you. Thank you. Um, the next person on the queue is uh, Joe Goldstein. Hi, Mr. Goldstein. Good morning, Mayor, Commissioners. Uh, my name is Joe Goldstein, attorney with Schutz and Bowen. It's my honor to represent Miller Leg uh, in this matter. We uh, pose the county auditor's report and recommendation for primarily three reasons. First of all, let me be very clear. We vigorously ob ob object to the conclusion that the auditor summarized that our contract required us to build based on our actual salary costs. Compare that contractual language. There's no mention of the word actual salary rates, none whatsoever, but you do see that in some of your other contracts, and you certainly see it now. 
There's no language regarding a re reconciliation, and there's no language saying that there's a, a, a negotiated profit percentage. That, that overhead and profit, that is all figured in into those billable rates as shown on Exhibit B. And from 2006, for 93 pay periods, from 2006 to 2014, that's what Miller Leg did. Every month, your staff reviewed their billings, saw that they were billing the same rates, and they paid them. They finished this project two years ago, under budget, no complaints. Now to go back in time and to say that they overbilled, it's inconsistent with the contractual language, and we will oppose that. In November of 2010, this issue came up before. Miller Leg was included in the backup and spoke. Commissioner Sharif made a motion that that, to, uh, in that similar case with the rows at the turning notch, the motion was not just limited to the turning notch, and I've provided you all with those minutes, and Commissioner Sharif said, all the contracts, not just the turning notch, no clawback retrospective. There was a motion, and there was a second, and it was voted six to three. So even if you disagree with our position, and you shouldn't, um, even if you accept the auditor's position, it should be applied only prospectively. Our contract is done, uh, and so don't apply it to us. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mr. Goldstein. Uh, the final speaker is uh, Mr. Russell Rand. Hi, Russell. Hi there. I commend your work, Mr. Lukic. Uh, and the more you look into things, the devil's in the details, and that's also where the waste, fraud, and mismanagement is going on. Not that there's anything going on here, of course. But uh, it's easy enough to bill at engineering rates, $50, $60 an hour, and then have a, a technician or an intern going out and actually doing it for $12, $14 an hour and all. I think the profit uh, that's identified through Mr. Lukic um, is pretty substantial. Um, and the more you look, the more you uncover, the more issues you have with taxpayer monies. Um, and if nobody looks, then, you know, they get away with it or whatever, and nobody's going to pay attention. Uh, it's a matter of whatever you can get away with. Um, so I think it's good work to be auditing these, a lot of these contracts, especially in the turning notch and the uh, wetlands, the mangroves in the Port Everglades because nobody's out there even looking at whether somebody's actually tending to the mangroves uh, as far as the uh, seaport expansion and all. But um, it's good to be identifying these, these issues. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Rand. Um, there are no more public speakers. Now we're coming back to the dais, and the first on the queue is Commissioner Wexler. Thank you. Sure. I don't mind being last on the queue. Do you want to go last? I don't care. I don't need to be first, that's for sure. Want to go? Okay, sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Kick it off. I'll kick it off. Uh, I met with Mr. Goldstein and Dylan and Ms. Hernandez last yeah. week. Oh, someone's up there? Did, did you hear? I heard Barbara. No? Barbara, can you hear us? Nope. No. I think they're still working on it in the back. Sorry, I thought I heard. I, you did too, right? Okay, and it was clear. It's true. Um, I met with I met with some of the speak the, all of the speakers last week, and I want to go one at a time and kind of get answers to some questions here. We dealt with this last November. It was a six-three vote. 
one of the things that concerns me about this is how old it is, how incredibly old this project is, and that the audit itself sat for a long time before it finally made its way to us as a Board of County Commissioners. That's a different story, but I think that and, and we need to get that at some point cleared up from our auditor as to why the delay. But I think that for me, I want one question answered right now about the 93 payment draws or invoices that were submitted without any acknowledgement of wrongdoing or error or anything. That was um, a theme that seems to be throughout the their, their letter as well as statements that were made in my office and made today at the podium. So I need to understand something for the record publicly. Ms. Henry, if I may, and you and I had this brief um, conversation about the 93 draws that they submitted and were paid in full over the course of the life cycle of this project. Tell me, tell me, or would you repeat what you said to me yesterday? Because I think that it's a dramatic statement to make, but it really has no merit when it comes to the point of the role and responsibility of the auditor. So the, the reason we have uh, an auditor is so that someone can go behind the scenes after, after the fact to take a look at um, the, the, the detail. So if, when you go back and you look at the way that um, we look at the contract, we look at the, the bills, it didn't exceed, we didn't get the actual, actual data, and, and if we tried to do that for each and every one of the contract, we would never get anyone paid. So the purpose of the auditor is to go periodically to go and look at that level of detail to determine whether or not our contractors are adhering to the, speci the specificity of the contract. So basically, when an invoice comes in for a draw for the hours of service rendered, whether they follow contractual language or they follow Exhibit B or whatever it may be, nobody in the accounts payable is going into that level of detail to make sure at that point in time? Is that what I'm hearing you say? At that point in time, what they would do is to make sure that what is being billed did not exceed what was provided for in the agreement okay. uh, and not into the, the very specifics of the, of the payments. I think you Okay, and, and Mr. Lukic, here we are, in a contract that was um, awarded in 2007 and here we are, dated January 28th, 2015, is this when the audit was at least, I guess, completed. And for the last 18 months, have you been in meetings with Miller Lake, or what, what transpired? <clears throat> well, first of all, let me elucidate on the issue of auditing. And, elucidate? And That's a cool <laughs> word. I like okay. that word. <laughs> okay. Let me speak to the issue. Yes, I know what it means. <laughs> I know, but maybe others don't. Uh, let me just say, let me speak to the issue about, about auditing and about the process. When you enter an agreement with anyone, and by the way, there's thousands of contracts. Uh, there's thousands of contracts every day people are reviewing. It is, um, it is a presumption when you enter an agreement 
that both parties understand what they did, that they signed the agreement. Uh, in this case, or in, in those cases, staff has reasonable reliance to be a, a reasonable expectation that the people are complying with the contract unless there's evidence to the contrary. So when they receive an invoice, they look for it like uh, Ms. Henry said. They look for the invoice and say, hey, does everything else conform to the contract? Does it look from a, reasonable? The audit process, not just here but everywhere in the world, is, a, is the double check. It's the backstop. All our contracts have audit provisions. Uh, frequently, the audit takes place after the contract's over. Uh, sometimes it takes place as I've had a series where we, take, we try to do them early on. We have limited staff. We can't audit everybody in the world. So there's a selective process we go through and pull, these, uh, pull contracts for review. When we review the contracts, we get all the documentation that we can from the vendor to validate what they're doing. Uh, so that's part of what happens. Staff's not pre prepared to do that as they're managing a contract to go and audit every invoice in the sense of auditing all the way down. Uh, with respect to the delays, we indeed had issued our report in January. We met with them on several occasions. We've had these issues debated with Mr. Goldstein and his legal counsel. I will tell you that uh, typically when audits of this nature take place, it is a protracted process because uh, there's a series of um, uh, arguments that take place, different arguments, different facts submitted. There's a reiterative process that you go through. Uh, so to some degree, that aids to it. Uh, we don't rush to judgment, uh, so we try to take our time and, and do these things. But let me give you another analogy about auditing, and that is <clears throat> take the IRS. The IRS goes out and you file your tax returns for 10 years. You think you know the rules. You file your tax return in good faith. The IRS only looks at a very small percentage of those returns. And when they do and they find that there's an error in your tax return, they come back and ask you for the money back. Now. They, they come back, review your return, find out what your mistakes are, ask for the money back. They don't simply say, oh, you misunderstood the tax rules and therefore you can keep the money. It doesn't work that way in the real world. Um, and, and I'll address some of the other issues relative to misunderstanding or whatever. Just point of fact, though, in this particular instance, we've reviewed four entities in this audit. Two of them complied with the contract terms. We've previously reviewed nine different primes. We've had some disparities with issues with some primes, but for the most part, the primes understand how it works. It's pretty traditional. We had statements here that this is some kind of foreign understanding. That's just not true. The FDOT negotiates this way. The FAA uh, requires this. Basically, what we're looking at is a cost-plus contract. You come back and you, you negotiate the profit. You start with the raw salary that you pay to the employee, pay to the personnel, you add the mentioning overhead and fringe. Then you negotiate a profit. The overhead and fringe is supported by an audit. The raw salary is subject to audit by us. That's exactly what we did. And then you have a profit percentage that you negotiate. In this case, we also had a maximum to protect the county from someone raising the salary rates for the employees and, and creating an artificial billing rate that's too high. So we put a cap in our contract. They turned around and used the cap for everything. To the extent that, as I mentioned, their profit percentage wasn't the 10% that they negotiated. It turned out to be between 29 and 94%. So I, this idea that they didn't understand or whatever is inconsistent with practice of some of their subs, industry practice, everything I know about this contract. Right, Mr. Um, Lukic, I, I hate to, um, but you <coughs> answered more than what I actually oops, asked sorry. for. Um, I, I have one more question, Mayor, and that's to legal. 
Um, the contract language, there's been dispute here or statements made regarding Exhibit B, Mr. Myers, and um, the contract language itself, and that the practice has been to be using Exhibit B um, in, in their billing practices. And Mr. Kerr and Mr. Lukic met with commissioners last week at least with me last week, um, and I would like to understand that aspect of the interpretation of the, the contract. Sure. <clears throat> of course, Commissioner. If you'd like specifics, if I may call up Mr. Kerr to address that. Uh, but I w will tell you that, as with any contract, there is some construction that's involved. Uh, even though you think the plain language of a contract ought to very clearly govern things, Often it involves construing provisions uh, to determine the true intent. And uh, Mr. Kerr did work with Mr. Lukic on, on this audit, and we do believe that the, that the contract language supports uh, the recommendations in Mr. Lukic's report. And, and that's, that's what I would like Mr. Kerr to expound upon, okay. if he may. <coughs> Specifically, Morning, that aspect, the contract language versus Exhibit B. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner. Yeah, uh, Mike Kerr with the Broward County Attorney's Office. Article 5.2 is salary cost, which is the subject of the discussion by uh, middle legs representatives. The very first sentence addresses this issue. The very first sentence says that the salary cost as used herein shall mean the hourly raw salary rate as shown on Exhibit B, attached here to and made a part hereof. And this is the key language. Paid to all personnel engaged directly on the project. That's not what happened here. You would have, and you go to Exhibit B, and you have categories. You don't have specific people. You never list specific people because those folks can change out during the project. So you list a category, like a project engineer, senior engineer, whatever it is, and you develop a uh, uh, maximum hourly rate. So when pick a pick a, an employee, and, and we don't identify the names generally in these audits, but say John Smith mm -hmm. is in this employee category. You look at what John Smith was paid, and in the audit process, what Mr. Lukic did is you compare that to the certified payrolls, and what he determined was all of the maximum rates were billed as opposed to what was paid to John Smith. We don't believe that language to be uh, ambiguous whatsoever. In addition to that, in all of our contracts, there is, and this is Article 10.12, it's a truth and negotiation certificate, whereby it says signature by the consultant shall act as an execution of a truth and negotiation certificate stating that the wage rates and other factual unit costs supporting the compensation of this agreement are accurate, complete, and current at the time of contracting. Maximum rates have nothing to do with being the actual rates, current and accurate at the time of contracting. We do not believe this to be ambiguous whatsoever. Thank you, Mr. Kerr. Thank you. That concludes my questions. Um, Thank you, Commissioner Wexler. Um, now, we do have a time certain at 11, and there are a number of folks from the public that are here. I know this is an ongoing item, but we're going to table this item for the time being because there's a time certain item, item number 59, 
uh, that we need to take up. And a Mayor, will we come back to this item today? Yes, we will. It, okay. As soon as we're done with uh, the ban the box item, we'll go back to this item. And uh, But I do think it's important because there are a number of members of the public here that are here to speak and that have signed up. And so right now, and uh, before I call on Commissioner Holness, I'd also be like to, to list it as a co-sponsor of this item as well. Um, it's a motion to adopt a resolution of the Board of County Commissioners of Broward County, Florida, pertaining to criminal history screening practices for applicants. Uh, it's been sponsored. The primary sponsor is Commissioner Holness. And Commissioner Bogan's a co-sponsor. I'm a co-sponsor. And Commissioner Holness, um, feel free to kick it off. Thank you very much, Mayor. This is one area where the county can set some leadership uh, in, in terms of how we deal with folks who might have had some issues in the past, who now want to live a full life and be productive. There's 70 million Americans who've had some issues with the law, whether it be an arrest or a conviction. We need to ensure that they feel that they can rebuild their lives. That if they go to make an application to get to work so they can provide for themselves and their families, that they don't feel that they're going to be excluded just by the mere fact that they did something wrong in the past. All of us have made errors in our lives. What this does is administer, it, it does something within our organization, but also it makes a statement. And this is what I think we, 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 we need to get a little bit more of. It makes a statement to our community that we as leaders here in Broward County want to make sure that people are living productive life and help to ensure that they can work so we don't have the recidivism rate that we have of folks coming out, having a difficult time to find work, and then going back in the system where we have to pay for them to be there. Uh, in our budget workshop, we identified $253 million that's connected to our jails. That's a quarter of a billion dollars. It's a lot of money. And I'm not saying that everyone that ends up there uh, end up there because they couldn't find a job. No. But it is a contribution to that. Facts have shown that, that there is a contribution to people not being able to work and provide themselves that they end up in places like those. those. We can reduce our costs there. By simply putting this in place, we're saying to our administrative staff, we're going to have someone go through the process and see who they are first before we get to where we exclude them because of a record that they may have. Now, there's exclusion here for law enforcement, for the airport, the seaport. And, and, and for those who deals with our, our vulnerable populations, such as our youths and elderly. So there's provision here that, that, that will ensure that we don't have bad people in places where they don't need to be. But overall, a hundred different cities have already adopted this. 23 states, I believe. Many states have adopted this. So this is not something new. It's something that we ought to do to ensure Again, that we're giving someone a hand. And, and here's, here's, here's a big catch on this. There are people who get intimidated by that box. So they often don't even bother. If they see that, then they just say, I'm not going to bother with this uh, application because guess what? You know, they're going to tell me no anyhow. 
So, so they've given up on that. And then there are those who say, well, you know, it was something minor. It wasn't that big. I'm not going to check the box. And then they get an offer, finding out, hey, because they didn't check the box, they lied. And there are others who really clearly don't understand. And there's, a, there's a, an exact case within our organization uh, that, that, that I can tell you uh, really happened, where we had someone applied for a job. They thought that because adjudication was withheld, it meant the case was dismissed. So they didn't clearly understand what was happening. And, and, and it was a simple case of he bought a car from anything on wheels. Somehow the tag that they put on the vehicle didn't match the VIN number. He was speeding, got stopped. He got arrested for it. And then he went through the system and fought and, and, and got the adjudication withheld. And we actually w was, was going to hire the young man. Now he's without work because we weren't able to, 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 to deal with that situation. And, and I'm still hoping that we can find a way forward with that. I want to also take the time to acknowledge some folks who have actually uh, supported me on this. Uh, Vincente Trauer uh, last year talked to me about this item uh, to, to bring it forward, but really didn't bring it until that young man, Jill Kennedy, called me and says, my fiance is trying to get a job, and here's all this mix-up that's going on because of, of the situation with him and that tag. And then along the way, uh, SEIU, who's here in numbers, came along and says, we want to support you on this issue because it's a just cause that we believe ought to be put in place. And they came along and gave me quite a bit of support. There are members of our clergy that have joined in to support this. Uh, there are many who are, uh, I guess there's some petitions being gathered, or signatures being collected uh, out there. I was in church Sunday and surprisingly saw this document. I didn't even know it existed out there, but there are folks that are doing that. Uh, the Democratic exec, Broad Democratic Executive Committee, Ms. Cynthia Bush and others have joined in support. So there's a good amount of support uh, that's out there. And I know today is not really the day for the debate. It's merely for us to put it on the agenda uh, on the four, June 14th to ensure that we have that robust debate uh, on this and, and then we can uh, do whatever we need to do to ensure that we're looking out for all our people in Broad County. Thank you, Mayor. Thank you, Commissioner Holmes. And we now have a number of uh, members of the public that are here to speak on this issue as well. And, and Mayor, Mayor, if I may, I didn't think at the, at the beginning of the meeting you announced that if you wanted to speak on an item, you have to fill out the form yes. ahead of time. Did you, did you do that? I, I did. Um, we okay. actually have 10 folks that have, that have signed up. There are a lot of people here. If you didn't sign up and people are speaking, you know, I'll allow you to sign up as well if you want to speak. Uh, but um, uh, so the first person uh, to speak right now is uh, Marcus Amos. Mr. Amos, and you'll have uh, two minutes. Uh, to yes, that's a very good suggestion. We have uh, Marcus Amos followed by Marcus Dixon, followed by Lily Bach. Lily, we haven't seen you in a while. There you are. Hi. Good morning, everyone. Thank morning. you for the opportunity. I work with an agency called OIC. Opportunities Industrialization Center. And what we do is training and job placement assistance for returning citizens. That is one of the grants that we work on. Um, we are in great support uh, because of the ideas of opportunity for people. Um, we alluded to the ideas of recidivism, 
which is um, minimized by the fact that persons can gain training and become certified in a certain industry, thus making them that much more applicable for opportunities to work. So we are in full support of the ideas of Ban the Box, mainly because it gives them an opportunity. What better person to have working with you than someone who is motivated, someone who is credentialed, someone who has confidence uh, in proving themselves, not only for just themselves, but to the company, for their families, so they have every motivation to be successful uh, if they are the successful candidate on a career opportunity. I'll give one story and then I'll close because I'm short on time. I work with an employer who is not user friendly to persons who have backgrounds. So he hired eight people and none of those persons uh, had backgrounds. Those same eight persons were people who stole from the company. And that is to say that everyone deserves an opportunity. The person who has a background is probably less likely to do something because of all the support services that they have in place. So an opportunity should be given to them so that they can prove themselves and also provide for their families. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Um, Marcus Dixon, followed by Lily Bach, followed by Remy Marcel, Marcelli. Good morning. Good morning. My name is Marcus Dixon, Florida Political Director with uh, SEIU, Florida State Council. Uh, we, we have a, a, what's called a community union where we're also in the communities working to help people amplify their voices on issues that they care about. And this is one that our members came to us about to ask us specifically to help them with. Uh, Band the Box is about injecting fairness into the system. Uh, Commissioner Holness mentioned that 70 million Americans have some type of arrest record. But it's also a more grave picture when you look at certain populations of our community. Uh, and that is two-thirds of all black men are arrested before the age of 23. And so what happens is there's this stigma associated to, with them and their character that follows them and prevents them from being able to provide for their families. Um, so Ban the Box is not necessarily about giving felons an opportunity. That's part of it. But the other part is there are people who are arrested for reasons beyond their control and who are ultimately found not guilty who also have this stigma associated with their records. Um, and so we know that there is a more accurate way to uh, figure out someone's criminal history and that's not asking them, it's doing the background check. So that box should be re removed. We support this ordinance and we know that the county is already doing some of this administratively but we believe that having a, a fair chance at competing for a job is a right of all people. And if we believe it's a right of all people, then it should be cemented in law and ordinance and code uh, and not simply an administrative process. Uh, we know that federal government has done this. President Obama has instructed his agencies to do it. Uh, but he's also, which have you know, much more complex hiring process than our counties, but he's also asked the, the Congress to cement it in law. And there are members of the leadership in the Republican and Democratic parties that have supported this. Along with the cities and counties, it's part of the EEOC guidelines, and many businesses have also seen the value in doing this. And so we ask for your support in moving it forward to hear from the public and public hearing. Thank you. We now have uh, Lily Bach, followed by Remen Marcelli, followed by Jamie Moore. 
Uh, good morning. Good to see you all. Um, I'm here today to encourage and um, have SEIU 32BJ uh, strongly support this agenda item 59 on banning the box. Um, and thanks to those commissioners that have been showing their true leadership in supporting this and um, being available, excuse me, um, to those in our communities and listening to those that are greatly going to be affected by this. Um, so we continue to ask for your support in effort to continue fighting for access to good jobs and therefore making our community stronger here in Broward County. Thank you. Thank you, and thank you for being brief. Uh, we now have uh, uh, Remy, uh, followed by Jamie Moore, followed by Jasmine Rogers. Uh, thank you. I am, I'm so happy to be here. Um, I could not only say, bend the box. We, the driver, we support that. Not only is an issue, but is the right thing to do. And uh, mostly we, par we are parents. When our children may have get involved in something, we put them in the corner, we punish them, but after a certain time, the parents have to call them back, feed them, and do whatever we have to do to, have, to make sure the child is okay. It's the same thing uh, on the business, business practices. If you've been messed up, you're losing the money, and they give you a chance. You could go out and file a bankruptcy. After seven years, your credit could go back again online. So bend the box. I believe that's the right thing to do at least give these people a second chance and to move on in their life. Thank you. Thank you, Ramin. It's always good to see you. Um, we now have Jamie Moore, followed by Jasmine Rogers, followed by Didier Ortiz. Good morning, commissioners. My name is Jamie Moore. I'm 52 years old, a lifetime resident of Broward County, living in the city of Deerfield Beach. Uh, I was hired, uh, worked for the city of Deerfield for 25 years, where I was let go. But uh, on, uh, let's say, June 2014, really changed my life. As it was stated, I was pulled by the state troopers heading to uh, Tampa. And yes, I was speeding, but it was discovered that I purchased, I purchased a vehicle from anything on wheels, and it was discovered that the tag that was assigned on my vehicle was was not assigned to my vehicle. So I went through the process of trying to get everything straight and in 2015 I, I did apply for a job for the county which the interview went well and I got a call the same day saying that I was hired. I went through the process but uh, let's say a month, a month later I got concerned because I didn't get a, a call or a letter uh, setting up for my um, orientation. So I, got, I received a letter which said that they were withdrawing their, their, um, withdrawing their uh, proposal. So I'm just saying anything in the world is still in, in business. And here I am with a uh, arrest record uh, where I can't even obtain a job. You know, so I'm just asking that as on June 14th, that as you come up to the vote, that you really, really, really ban that box. Because, I mean, it's, it, it makes me feel bad because I'm not a criminal at all. And, you know, I have to overly explain every time I apply for a job. So I ask that you ban the box. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, we now have Jasmine Rogers followed by Didi Ortiz, Didier Ortiz, followed by Vicente Thoreau. 
Good morning. Good morning. Uh, my name is Jasmine Rogers, and I'm here representing the Broward Dream Defenders and the Black Lives Matter Alliance of Broward, and I'm also an organizer with SCIU. Um, so we're here because we're in support of the ordinance to ban the box. We know that people of color are disproportionately affected by the predatory policing, which feeds directly into the, the prison industrial complex. So in a city and county identified for its predatory policing practices, which includes the biking while black, the walking while black, the disproportionate seatbelt violations to black people, and on and on and on, we owe it to this community to give folks a fighting chance to do better and be better for themselves, their families, and their communities. Uh, while canvassing in, our, in Broward County, not very far from here, we met a man who spent five years in prison uh, for driving on a suspended license habitually. So he can't vote, he can't carry a firearm, he can't get a job that will provide him the money that he needs to support his family for driving violations. Not any violent crimes, but for driving violations. So we've been collecting petitions and organizing sign-ons from folks in Broward um, to show that this is obviously very, very important to this community. It's an, a priority for folks to feel that they have a fighting chance to be able to get jobs in Broward County. And as rep representatives elected by this community, if we want to make Broward a better community, we must err on the side of morality and the greater good. Our neighboring counties have done it in Palm Beach and Miami. So what are we in Broward County waiting for? Thank you. Thank you. Uh, we now have uh, uh, Didier Ortiz, followed by Vicente Thrower, followed by Whitney Rawls. Uh, good morning, I'm Didier Ortiz. I'm an organizer with uh, the Broward County Dream Defenders as well as the Black Lives Matter Alliance of Broward. I think that in the light of the prison industrial system, of the privatization of prisons, of the criminalization of uh, black and brown youth, in, not only in this county, of course, um, we owe it to returning citizens to give them a fighting chance in the workplace, to give them a fighting chance in the job market to rebuild their lives, lives stolen from them by a system that, of course, prefers some above others. It's also the least that we can do for the children and the families of those affected by this failed prison industrial complex. The reality is that the children of returning citizens are at no fault for what happened to their parents and do not deserve to live in poverty. The last point that I want to make is that the community is looking at you for answers, is looking at you for action. If you take no action, what will they think? Uh, and I think that what they see today is very important for the future of our county. Thank you. Thank you. Um, we now have uh, Vicente Thrower, followed by Whitney Rawls, followed by uh, Pastor Anthony Sanders. Um, good morning, Vicente Thrower, Pompano Beach. I'm here to support this um, agenda item because I think it's very important to our community. I think it shows a lot, a great deal of leadership that you all have even taken this up. Um, county commissioners on um, Pompano Beach is taking this up and has done this. And I think if Pompano can do it, the county commission, you all can do it also. Um, Mayor, I, we appreciate you. Um, Commissioner Ritter, I know you're leaving. I appreciate you, so I'm hoping that you all uh, are in support. My county commissioner and personally, County Commissioner Dale Holdings for, uh, for hearing us out and not making me ring your phone off the hook, so I appreciate that. Because uh, <laughs> the community really needs this and um, just they want to move forward. People should be judged by their context of their character and not by their past. That's all they want is a fair shake and a fair, and a fair opportunity to move forward. Not be, like, I was surprised what that gentleman just said about how he was judged and how he was treated 
So that says a lot that people should be given an opportunity to explain themselves and not automatically just be deterred and say it no to. So I'm asking that you all move forward. Thank you. Thank you, Vicente. Uh, the next on the queue is um, Whitney Rawls, followed by uh, Pastor Sanders. Thank you, Mayor, Commissioners. Um, I just want to uh, stand uh, in full support of this item and say thank you to Commissioner Holdness for bringing this forward. Also to you, Mayor, for co-sponsoring, and certainly to my own district commissioner, Commissioner Mark Bogan, for supporting this. Um, Mr. Thrower mentioned that uh, Pompano uh, is doing this. I think we're one of the only cities in Broward County doing it, and I, I'm hoping that, uh, that you guys will take the leadership and make this happen, and it will grow throughout our county as well uh, to our other uh, 30 cities. Um, I believe that when cities and counties uh, take this kind of leadership to adopt policies like this to remove the conviction history, from the job application, it gives uh, folks in our uh, communities opportunity for gainful employment. Um, I think it's a responsibility for us to make sure that folks have a fair chance at being employed uh, throughout the county. Uh, so I applaud you guys for taking this up, and I hope that you support it on June 14th. Thank you. Thank you, Whitney. Um, we now have uh, Pastor slash Commissioner Anthony Sanders, followed by Rudolph uh, Mack Jr., followed by Pavel Geraldo. Pastor Sanders. Uh, thank you. Good morning, Mayor and Board of Commission. Um, I'm speaking really on behalf of the Pastoral Alliance of Northern Broward and Southern Broward. Uh, the Band of Box met with us to discuss this item, and we're in full support of it. Uh, we appreciate the initiative and your leadership to be able to do this because we believe it removes a barrier that is preventing those that are looking for gainful employment to get employment. So we thank you. I, we just want to lend our support to it and encourage you to support it when it comes up for debate. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Sanders. Um, next on the queue is Rudolph Mack, uh, Rudolph Mack Jr., followed by Pavel uh, Geraldo, followed by Reverend Josh Brown. Thank you for allowing me to speak. Um, I'm literally one of those who are affected mostly by the box. I'm a returned citizen. I've been clean or scraped for 18 years. I've been through all kind of work release programs. I've done all kind of student loan studies. I, I've got certificates for various job opportunities, but because I have to place my signature next to that box. I have not had a chance to get hired nowhere since 1998. <coughs> I've been doing odd jobs, but not a W-2 form job. I've lost my family. I lost a lot of friends. I'm homeless right now because I can't get a job to do anything. I really support this band of the box. It's been a long time for me. I don't want anybody coming up after me who's trying to re-enter re, re the city and be a good citizen. I want to be a pillar and not a menace. I hope that someone learns from my mistakes that I made. And I hope that those who see me and hear what I'm saying, because it's been a long time, I, haven't, I don't have anything for, in my social security. And I'm 44 years old, I don't have Nothing built up. And I was 18 when I had this happen. 18. I'm 44. There's nothing that I could do but 
because of this box. Please ban it. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mr. Mack. Um, we now have uh, Pavel Geraldo. And uh, Pavel, if I'm saying your last name wrong, I truly apologize. I think that's pretty good. Oh, it is? Oh, great. <laughs> uh, my name is Pavel Gerardo again, and I'm an organizer with 1199 at CIU, and I actually represent two hospitals here in Broward County. One of them is Plantation Hospital, and the other one is uh, Westside um, Hospital. And what I'm going to give is an example. I have a young lady who just um, came up to the hospital about three or four weeks ago trying to get a job. She went to the PCA program. She got a certificate. She invested eight months of her life to get the certificate. She couldn't get the job in the hospital. She'd be looking for a job for two years now. This is a person who got kids, and the kids are in poverty right now. She cannot afford to live in an apartment. She has to be asking people for help to stay in a place. And it's outrageous. This is America. This is a lot of opportunity. People should have a second opportunity on their life, especially when you're 17, 18 years old. This young lady got into a fight when she was 17 years old in high school. And because of that, today she cannot get a job when she got two kids to support. So I really want to ask you guys to think about this and to help the people who actually need this help and want to be part of the society and um, contribute something. Mr. Holiness, I want to say thank you to you because you always have a ear on the streets and we appreciate your help. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Major. Thank you, sir. Uh, the final speaker is Reverend Josh Brown. Thank you for being here, Reverend Brown. Good to see you. Good afternoon. Um, I'm in behalf of Band of Box. Uh, there are some things that we can all talk about. And in my business, being a uh, man of God, uh, we always talk about second chances. And this is a time that we really can stop talking about and then put it in action. Um, in the city of Hallandale, what they started there, when every developer, uh, Commissioner Holiness, and any contractor that comes in to do any work in the city of Hallandale, uh, Commissioner Fur knows about this, that they have to uh, look at our subs first and also hire individuals that's in our city first. You have to bring, you have, they have to come to those individuals through an organization that's been set up uh, in the city of Hallandale. But, but, but to, to, to be really serious about this, there's individuals that I see, uh, 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 Commissioner Fur, that they have hard hats and they're out there working and supporting their family, which I know that they would never be able to do because of their past and because of their records. Now I get to see this uh, happening in the, in the great city of Hallandale. So I'm here to um, tell you, please, please, without a doubt, because I've learned in my life, Mayor, that everybody has a past and everybody is an ex somebody. Thank you. Thank you, Reverend Brown. Uh, we actually have one more speaker. Uh, and that is Mr. Rand, uh, Russell Rand. Thank you, Russell. Thank you for granting me the time. When I was hired by Bard County 42 years ago, they just kind of asked if you'd killed anybody lately. They weren't too specific. Uh, there actually was in Dade County a third-degree murderer convicted who served and worked for the county. Um, if you've done, you know, we've all done things. Some of us have been caught and some have not. So um, if you paid your debt to society, then you should be debt-free to society. And you should be on an even playing field with everybody else. 
And um, this is supposed to be a performance-based system, and then they end up ignoring your performance and then targeting you on some witch hunt or whatever. And it's endlessly Big Brother getting bigger all the time. And after 9-11, it got even more paranoid and worse. So you've got people who are box thinkers who can't think outside the box. And you need people to think outside the box because that's where your vision and your plans come from, not your strict adherence to your marching orders with the stormtroopers. And um, we really need to uh, be more compassionate in society toward our everybody that are all citizens who, who deserve a, a fair shot and a fair break. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Rand. Uh, we're now going to bring it back to the County Commission, and the first person on the queue is Commissioner Bogan. Uh, what I'd like to say is that I, uh, I'm, I'm happy to co-sponsor this. Uh, this came up before, I think last year, um, about banning the box, and at that time I did not realize that the county does do background checks. I think, uh, I think this is a good measure to do. I want to support uh, this, and I hope my fellow commissioners support this. Um, that's all I have to say. Thank you, Mr. Bogan. Commissioner Wexler. Mayor. Um, first of all, I think that it's really important that the people in the audience that spoke um, really understand what the item is that's before us today because it's not banning the box forever. It is banning the box initially. Okay? So it is a false positive. It is clearly language in there that you give, you know, you're looking at me like strange, but it's your proposal, Commissioner Holness. It says when you are a finalist, right, for this job, then there will be a background, criminal background check. And if you don't meet the criteria at that point, the offer will be withdrawn. So I ask you, and I, I agree, I think that the box needs to be banned on the front end. I have no issue with that whatsoever. I believe in second and third chances and an even playing field. But at some point in time, there is a background check. Now, that's not eliminated from here. My question is, and my issue is, at what point is it when you are the finalist and you're offered the job and then they do the background check and realize that there's something in someone's background and so we're going to have to withdraw that? That's the part, and when, when um, Mr. Dixon met with me the other day. What my language to you happened to be is that I'd like to see something before you become the finalist so that those people doing the hiring can make a decision and that there be an appeal process in place so that they're not fit what you put in there so that if they're not fairly treated or being discriminated against because of some past discretion, that that be addressed at the appropriate point in time. But it's not fair to anybody, either the hirer or the hiree, to do it at the very end of the process. So that's where, for me, I'm not, I'm not saying, yeah, ban the box, ban the box, because it is not being asked to permanently ban the box. If you're going to ask to permanently ban the box and never do a criminal background check, that's a different situation and a different question. But what you've got in front of us is 
to not do that until the job is being offered to the finalist. So that's the part that I, 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 I'd like to see some interim, somewhere along that journey, that there be maybe when you're the top three or the top four or whatever it may be, that there be something that is, is offered. The second thing is, and I'd like to ask staff, because the gentleman from Deerfield Beach that lost his job, that made the statement that he attempted to get employment at Broward County government. Staff provided us with um, information yesterday, additional information that came through on this. That's a letter to us from Mr. Kelleher regarding the ban the box screening process we let, and, and, and what we wind up doing. The top of page two of this letter says that we only ask applicants to disclose convictions, not arrests. The gentleman from Deerfield that indicated that he attempted to get a job here, the one who, that the um, Everything Wheels, or whatever the name of it was, and I don't know where you are sitting in the audience. There you, that, that, that um, you were, I guess, arrested for something? Were you convicted of something? May um, I ask this if, gentleman uh, that It's question? true. Um, if if you, you have to come please up here and uh, speak into the microphone if you'd like to respond. For because the record. his statements, Mayor, are completely opposite of what staff has put in writing. Okay, no, sure, of course, absolutely, Commissioner Wexler. Okay, I got, as I said before, I was pulled over by the state trooper head of the town. Okay, during that process, I was speeding, yes, but during the discovery, you know, they checked the tag and everything. It was discovered that the tag that anything on wheels installed on my vehicle wasn't assigned to my vehicle. I showed the state trooper all of the information, the purchase contract, everything to show that it wasn't basically my fault. During the process of time, I contacted anything on wheels, explaining to them what happened. They said, oh, we'll help you out. So through the process of time, I ended up getting arrested because it wasn't handled. So I went to St. Lucie County, checked myself, uh, took myself to jail, and bombed myself out. Spent jail, spent time in jail for 30 minutes on something that wasn't my fault. Were you convicted, sir? I had to go. I, that's the whole deal. I, I had to go to go to court. I had to plead guilty. They gave me time to get get it straight. So you were found guilty. Yes, I was. Okay, so you were convicted. Yes, That's I was. That's a big difference in the conversation of, um, I, I, thank you for, for explaining that. Thank you. Thank you. All right, so <clears throat> staff's statement about we don't ask about arrests, we only ask about convictions, um, is accurate. Correct, Ms. Henry? Yes. And they, you also go on to explain the system that we use, and the system that we use is completely confidential. Would, would you elaborate a bit about this? Because I, I never heard of this. Is it ORS? So if I might uh, just walk through the process. So there is a box on our application, and 
the app that Boss asks, uh, you check the box to indicate whether or not you have ever been convicted. Um, and there is a note at the bottom of that that says answering yes does not uh, automatically disqualify you for employment. Um, the human resources officer that goes through the initial screening that send uh, candidates to a hiring manager do not indicate to that hiring manager that that individual checked the box to say that they have been convicted initially. So that person will go through the, the interview process, but before we do a background check, because we are aware, we then um, notify um, that person to say, okay, we, this person has this issue in their background. Um, ultimately, um, depending upon um, what the nature of the arrest, uh, I mean the, the, the conviction, um, a person may or may not be qualified um, to, move, to continue to move forward. Um, again, the, the, the issue as I understand it, that the, the discussions that Commissioner Holness and I have been having is really, and I think he recognizes that we do what on our end, uh, we do hire a lot of people with, with convictions in their background. And we're able to, tra and we do track that. Um, the issue is when a person sees the box, um, they may, one, not know that um, certain offenses qualify as a conviction. So it may just be completely, and in this gentleman's case, um, um, uh, I don't believe that he realized that, that in the end it would show up as a conviction. Uh, so that's one situation. Another situation is that because it happened so long ago, sometimes individuals, well, that happened so long ago, that can't still be on my record, and they check no, which then does create a problem in our system. So if you don't acknowledge that you have a conviction and we find it out after the fact, then it becomes a problem. So we do um, uh, disqualify individuals when they do not indicate truthfully. So that's something that we do. Um, we do. And, and, and believe it or not, that's what gives me pause because there's so much language, whether it's withholding adjudication, no low, exactly. all of that stuff that people don't necessarily understand. And then people are also given the advice that records are sealed right. and you never have to report this. And that's not necessarily true. So that's correct. That's kind of a trap right there for individuals. And if they were given that advice and they check no, and there's a background screening and they find out yes, then you said it, it's an automatic. And that's the part that I have an issue with. Conceptually, I'm, I'm there. I agree with you with everything, but I'm trying to apply it to our reality here of thousands of applications a year that come into the system for employment. And that at what point do you actually, as an organization, move forward to do some kind of a background check. That's the issue for me. It is not and should not be at the front end.
because that's an intimidating, confusing um, place. And I don't want to be either one of those things, intimidating or confusing to the applicant. So I get that. But as I said to you the, uh, the other day, Mr. Dixon, there's got to be, and I'm not prepared today to offer what exactly that language looks like or where, and I wish that you would work with me because I think it's disruptive to the person applying and the organization to wait until the very end to find out that there is something in that person's past that would potentially disqualify them. And that's the part that I would like to avoid. So I'm going to support today moving it to the next level, the public hearing, but, at the, but I am going to work with the appropriate staff to propose some kind of language that would give them the opportunity um, way after the beginning but before the end to be able to do this background mm -hmm. search so that they have, a com they have the information that they need to thoroughly and that there continue to be a, an appeal process in it which Commissioner Holness <coughs> has recommended. So I think it's just a tiny bit before where you are that I'm looking for the candidates, not, not the one candidate, but the top candidates to go through that. And when we use a search firm for anything, and I went and I sat down with Mr. Um, Hernandez yesterday, and I asked him to walk me through one of the ones that we did a couple of weeks ago, which was the library one. And it wound up that we are going to re-advertise, but we're using a search firm. And it is standard operating procedure that that be done on the front end versus on the very back end. It's a more in-depth one when you're down to the top finalists, plural, mm -hmm. but at the beginning there is still the questions that are asked. And, and so I, I think that I, I, do, I don't want to be an intimidating organization. I want to be inclusive. I want to give people the opportunity, but by the same token, there's got to be balance here as well as we move things forward. And I think it's not fair to anybody to, at the end of the day, say, okay, you're the top finalist. We're going to do this background check, and we may or may not offer you the job after that. Seriously? That's way, way too late in somebody's journey. So that, that's, that is my position. I don't get the opportunity to share, particularly with Commissioner Holness, who has been so passionately pushing this for over a year now. Um, he doesn't give up. He does not give up. Did you want to respond to maybe um, Mr. Dixon? I'm sure, respond? Mr. Dixon, you can absolutely. You. And so thank you, Commissioner Wexler, for, for your support and willingness to, to help us uh, <clears throat> improve this. Just a little background on me. Um, you know, I, I am the policy lead for SEIU as well, but um, prior to joining SEIU, I was the, the drafter of the Miami-Dade County Ordinance. And so I have a lot of familiarity and understand that, you know, it's important to, for each municipality to do what's right for their own local and kind of address things uh, as they see fit. But, but I do want to make it clear that we, banning the box as a policy is exactly what the title says it is in terms of eliminating the box. We are not referring and, and do not want to eliminate background checks. We're not naive to think that there are people in the world that shouldn't be working in certain positions. So just to be clear, but research has shown that when 
hiring managers have the ability to actually see the qualifications of the individual, they're more likely to be uh, objective as it relates to assessing the, back, the information in the background. Ultimately, if folks aren't qualified, they're never going to get to this stage. <clears throat> and so this is in the, small, in the small percentage of times that someone who's the most qualified person gets through the process and is actually given an offer. Um, and I think uh, we, we as a county will want to make sure that we're getting the most qualified people and that we're actually giving them a fair chance. Um, to, to speak to the, the gentleman's particular case, I think his case is, is the, the model for why something like this is necessary. I've had conversations with state's attorneys and public defenders all over the state, and what they tell me is that people can go into court and walk out two minutes later with the conviction, and they don't know what happened. Ultimately, they want to get in. I had a chance to clarify with him on kind of what the situation was, and he walked in and said, if the, if the if adjudication is withheld, you can leave today. You can go home. And so he agreed to, to do that because that's what got him out of there that day, not understanding that there would be some consequences afterward that would prevent him from being able to get a job. And so that's what's unfair. And I think, you know, um, I agree to your point, Commissioner Wexler, that what, what he said is inconsistent with what the memo said. And I think that's precisely why we should submit it in an ordinance and make sure that maybe we you, put a process maybe, in place. I, I think we need to move this along, but maybe you would like to work with my office in drafting some kind of language for me to submit unless you object to that. And I, I don't know if you object to it or you want it exactly the way that Ms. Commissioner Holness has proffered it or not. If that's the case, then I'll just work with our legal counsel. But I know you have a lot of experience in this. I'd be more than willing to help um, you all craft something that works for Broward County. Well, so I, I, would be I would be submitting it, but I can't talk to them okay. until we come back to the public I'd hearing. I'd be happy to do that. Okay, thank Great. you. Thank you, Commissioner Wexler. Commissioner Furr. Thank you. Um, I was pleased to see this come up again. Um, I, I'm in full support of banning bots. I do think, uh, and mainly because of, I don't want to. I don't want to put somebody in a position where they end up either by mistake or whatever, not understanding exactly what you're saying, Mr. Dixon, that they're more, that they're saying something that may not be true, and that, that then they have to come back and you know uh, say something about that. I do think one of the the simplest way to do this is actually just to simply ban the box and then require that everybody gets a background check. It, that's, that's, a simple, that's a very simple solution. And I think when, in, in my looking at what this, is, this entire movement has been throughout the nation, that that's simply what it is. And because I, precisely what you were saying, you don't, want to wait, you don't want to put somebody's expectations real high at the end and drop it. That's not fair either. And if everybody gets a background check at the very beginning, you still go through the process without having to look at that. <clears throat> so people are, get a chance to, to earn a job on their own merits and on, on their own skills. But if everybody, if everybody, if we require a background check on everybody, then it's, a fa it's fair across the board. And that's what I would like to um, add and see if, first I'd like to, to ask, I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna vote for this to go to, to the public hearing. But I wonder if the sponsors of the uh, proposal would, would consider that. I think that's a, a simple way to, to make sure that it's fair across the board. Commissioner, uh, sure, Commissioner Holness. Yeah, it, I, I, I hear what you're saying, but here's, here's what happens then. 
what's the, admis and the, admin the cost and the administrative time that we're going to have to put into doing something like that? If you want to craft something and bring it when we, when we go for June and, and see how you flush that out, I, I'm a guy who's always open to listening and, 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 and adjusting if, if need be. But at this point in time, purely on what you just said, doesn't, it, it, it doesn't solve a problem. Uh, it actually, in my mind, create another problem by then having every person come into a background check. It, it, it's it's going to be too complicated. I don't see it working. Commissioner Bogan, your sponsor, would you like to respond to? Yeah. Um, first of all, I, with respect to doing background checks on everyone, I think that's kind of unnecessary because you first want to weed out a bat, weed out people who qualify for a job. And then once you weed them out, maybe there's two steps before the finalist, which you could find out. So maybe by the second step, then you're doing background checks. But I want to make sure everyone here in the audience understands when Commissioner Wexler said that this is temporary, I disagree totally. This is not temporary. We are totally banning the box from the onset of an application. You, a person will not be asked ever again, as long as this ordinance stays in place, if it's passed, about their background. And only later of what a second issue of what came up is about background checks. This ordinance, to my understanding, is not about background checks. It's about when a person applies for a job, they're not going to be asked about their background or criminal uh, background in any way. And that's my understanding. And uh, count, I want to ask the county attorney, is, is that correct? Well, there, there are exceptions, certain positions that are exempted from it, but yes, otherwise, Outside of those exceptions, that's correct. Okay, so, so putting background checks aside, we're not even needing to talk about background checks right now about this ordinance. All it does, which I totally support, and once it's passed, until it's ever changed in the future, forever, a person will not be asked about their background, and that's, that's permanent, not temporary in any way. And then with respect to Commissioner... Mark, we, we have a... Professor, well, hold, hold on one sec. We actually have a number of folks on the queue. Okay. Uh, the, the issue was, truthfully, Mark, was whether or not we would be amenable to these amendments. I have a lot of folks on the queue that want to speak. Okay, I I, I'm, I'm just addressing there. the amendment. Then, but but Mayor, but, Mayor, can I finish, please? No, no, hold on, hold on. Wait, 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 hold on. Listen, go through the chair. Everybody go through the Mayor, chair. Mayor, can I finish my sentence? You can finish it, but if you can please keep it to the amendment. I'll definitely okay. get back to you okay. to talk about the issue more, which is great, but please refer... There was no proposed amendment. amendment. There was discussion about possibly changing things, about doing background checks on everybody. And I addressed, I believe, with Commissioner Furr that I think the cost involved, if there is a cost involved, on doing it for everybody might be a little. But I agree with the point, and obviously, every, people need to have background checks. My suggestion, truthfully, and I, and I appreciate it, we have a number of folks in the queue, but when it comes to the amendments, these amendments are they're not yet well thought out because we haven't had time to digest them. We're going to have a public hearing, and so my suggestion is if anybody has any proposed amendments, I know Commissioner Furr has some good ideas, Commissioner Wexler, exactly, that we'll have them beforehand and we can digest them before the public hearing. Um, but uh, Commissioner Furr still has the floor. Thank you. And, and, I'm, and I'm not ready to make an amendment because I need, to, I need some, I mean, I, I like the idea of doing background checks for everybody. I think it's a fair, it, it, it just makes a level playing field all the way across, and that's my understanding of what the of what the entire movement has been about. I do not know what the cost is. I do not know what the administrative requirements to that would be, and that's what I would like to know prior to the public hearing. So before, I'm not going to make an amendment today, but that is the information I would like to get from administration prior to the hearing. 
Right. And, and that would that and that makes makes a lot of sense. And That's uh, what we, the, the, ne <laughs> the next person on the queue is Commissioner Ritter. Uh, thank you, Mayor. This is just a uh, notice to set a public hearing. So um, I, I think we should just move it to June 14th. And those members that have amendments that they would wish to proffer have them available for the November uh, for the June 14th public hearing. I will not be there, um, <laughs> but um, I will be with you in spirit. Hopefully, you'll put nothing on the agenda that day that will require me to be here in person. Um, I would just move it. I, I support it. If I were, here, I mean, I, I'm going to support it today to to to, uh, to move it the way it is. I, I actually think that there are some issues about. Um, resources uh, both staff and fiscally that have not been answered and you know you could get 200 applicants for a position and if you're going to background check every one of them that's a lot of money um, so I'm going to support it to move it along the way it is today and um, be there with you in spirit on June 14th no it's not my item no it's when I say I would support I would support moving it I'm not moving it it's not my item but I would support that today before we go there uh, Commissioner Bogan, did now would you like to add anything onto it? Okay, <laughs> you do. Okay, Commissioner Wexler. I want to respond to Commissioner Bogan's sure. statement about my statement about temporary. The temporary piece was referred to temporarily. You're postponing a background check, banning the box. If you do that on the front end, it's permanent. I got that. It's no longer there. There is no question on the front end. So I don't know where you think that I would think that that was temporary. The temporary referral word that I said was, if you're offered the job, even in the current language that's being proposed, there would then be a background check, a criminal background check. So the inevitability of that is temporary. But the banning of a box of asking that question is permanent. So I wanted to make sure that you know that I know that. Thank you. They, they, know that. they do. They do. I guess uh, so. I'm the last one to speak before Commissioner Holness closes. Um, all I want to say is I think this is a very good item, and I'm glad that we're making it an ordinance. And you know we're lucky right now. We have, I believe, a progressive county administrator. We have a progressive county commission. Uh, we have a staff that I believe um, is very considerate to the difficulties that people have gone through in the past. I know, I know Ms. Henry had indicated that there are a number of folks uh, that have had convictions in their record and other that, that she hires and gives chances to, which is really kind of goes along, I think, with the philosophy of the county commission that we believe that people deserve another chance. But the reason why this is important to put into an ordinance is we're not always going to have Ms. Henry at the helm. Eventually, you're going to want to retire and take it easy. Uh, we're going to have uh, different county commissioners uh, one day, and you never know what a future administration would do. And by codifying it and putting it into an ordinance, it requires that going forward that the administration, whoever that may be years from now, will follow that ordinance uh, to ensure uh, that we uh, give people another chance. And so with that said, Commissioner Holness, would you like to close? Thank you. Let me, let me just say thank you to everyone in the audience, especially who have showed up today to support this, to the members of the clergy, SEIU, DEC, and so many others who have signed on to ensure that uh, we're given 
everyone an opportunity to be able to provide for themselves and their family. Uh, <clears throat> and thanks to all of you for the robust discussion here. Uh, I think we will move this forward and, and join the over 100 cities, 21 states, uh, companies like Bed Bath & Beyond, even Coke Brothers, the Coke Industries. <laughs> Home Depot, Target, and Walmart that have basically said, you know, let's ensure that we're looking for the most qualified person and let's not deter someone uh, by having a box that basically eliminate the chance of us getting the best person uh, to do the best job for us. Uh, I thank you. And with that, I move the item. Second. There's been a motion and a second. All in favor of item number 59 signify by saying aye. 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 All opposed? show the item passes unanimously. Uh, we're now gonna move back, we're still on the consent agenda. Uh, and so we're now moving back to item number 47, which we uh, tempor temporarily postponed until the conclusion of this item. And uh, it was a motion to file the county auditor's report, um, review of hourly billing rates, Miller Lagan Associates. And when we left off before, it was Commissioner Bogan's uh, turn to speak. But we can, we, can, we can give a few seconds to let the, peop let the folks clear out and, And then uh, as soon as they're done, we'll pick it back up. Commissioner Bogan, when, when, when you're ready, uh, feel free to um, kick it off. Sure. Uh, is Joe Goldstein still here? Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> he's not going to leave. <laughs> oh boy, oh boy. Joe, I want, I'm going to ask you a couple quick questions. So uh, I'm going to actually bring Evan into this conversation and I'd just love to see how this uh, plays out for a second, okay? Sure. Yester y yesterday, I, uh, yesterday I asked Evan, I, sa I said to him, look at if we did this, what was the name of the company? If we did this for DeRose, then it's only fair we do this, um, you know, for Miller Leg. And, 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 and then I went on and said, when we passed that motion for, for DeRose, I thought it applied to everybody. And, and, and Evan corrected me. And Evan, would you read the uh, statement that you had? The yes, I, I went back and reviewed the minutes to the meeting uh, on November 10th in their entirety. Um, and I actually used the copy that was submitted to me by Mr. Goldstein, or submitted to all of us the other day by Mr. Goldstein. And Mr. Goldstein, he highlighted the areas that he thought were important. However, uh, in the context of reading the entire items, there are certain things that are left out that, that seem to conflict with his conclusion and support my opinion that this item was limited to the Northport uh, contract. Uh, so if you read the minutes directly, uh, Commissioner Shreve says that uh, clarifying her motion, no, because it doesn't apply to all vendors that came to see me as they have testified to. Uh, later on, uh, at, after the motion was passed, I asked the question again, are we talking about all contracts or just the contract at hand? Mayor Ryan said, we're not talking about any contracts other than the ones that are dealing with the Southport turning notch. This is the only issue before us, and we are not establishing new policy. Commissioner Sharif replied that it's just the contract with this, the vendor sitting here and, and attached to the backup. It is clear, in my opinion, that the board, it's clear from the record that the board was making a motion solely related to the turning notch. Secondly, 
common sense would support that conclusion because it, to conclude otherwise, you would be reaching the conclusion that the board was granting immunity from an audit that had not yet come before them. So it just doesn't make logical sense that you'd make a carte blanche immunity of future audits. Um, so that's our opinion relative to what the board's actions in November 10th were. Thanks, Joe, does your position change on that? Not at all. Not Why at is all. That? For, for two reasons. For, first of all, as the commission knows, what's important is what the motion is. And the discussion that the auditor talked about between uh, Mayor Ryan at the time and afterwards was after there was a motion and a second and a passed. And so that further discussion. So we have to ask, what was the motion? And it, the motion itself is very clear. After reviewing those that came up with a moving forward process to apply to all contracts, all contracts, not just the turning notch, no clawback retrospective because there's more than the turning notch sitting out there that is my motion. Period. Leave it alone from 2014. Leave it alone, period. January 2015, whatever they turn in from January 2015, now going forward, January 15, I am going from 15 for the perspective review. Perspective, they can turn in any bill after January 15, which complies with the 2.73 multiplier and a detailed payroll and be okay. No retrospective clawback. Mr. Goldstein, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Is that the motion? Or That's are you the motion. Dialogue? And then right after that, that a speaker second. Last year. Point, point, point of clarification relative to what Mr. Goldstein's reading. What those items are, when you talk about the, the multiplier, 2.73, you talk about January 15th, they're all relative to the turning notch, con, turning notch contract. They have nothing to do, they have no consequence, no context within the MLA contract. Commissioner Bogan, you even right before Mayor Ryan tried to say something similar to what the auditor's saying, and you started trying to explain it, and, and right before... Commissioner Sharif, that is not my motion. Let me do mine. And then I just quoted it for you. It's there right on the page of the notes. So I understand that the auditor is trying to do his job. And the auditor says that he has all these contracts to review. And when I talked about Commissioner Wexler, the 93 pay periods, I'm not saying that that's binding. I agree. We need the auditor to do his job. What I argued about the 93 payments is when a contract is ambiguous, and, and even, 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 uh, even Mr. Myers, before Mr. Kerr got up here, every contract, and some more than others, and I'll say to you, this contract is much more than others, needs some contract interpretation. And what do you look to in contract interpretation? You look to the, you look to the, the, the conduct of the parties. So that's where the 93 comes in. They saw every month we were billing the same rate. It doesn't take a lot of work of staff to say, wait a second. For eight years, they build us this. So the motion was clear in this after-the-fact interpretation. Let me go to one other point, common sense. No, I, common I, sense, sure. okay. you asked me to go address ahead. what he said, and he made two points. Common sense is how can you treat those contractors differently on the same issue? For Miller Leg, it's even more significant common sense because their materials were in the backup. There was a summary of this contract. This audit was a, released in draft for over a year. It's dated, right? The audit that was just submitted to you this week is dated January 2015. 
So that audit was in writing. Everyone understood when Miller Lake came and met with Mayor Sharif and many of you before they retained me. They knew that this was the same issue. So common sense says you should treat contractors the same absent having different contract yeah. language. Uh, Commissioner Bogan, um, um, if it's okay, uh, Mr. Myers was hoping to say a few words. Please. Thank you. Uh, I, I don't agree that the 93 submittals establishes the relevant conduct uh, here or pattern or practice, uh, nor do I agree that if you construe the contract here that the better construction is that uh, the money is not due or that the money cannot be pursued. Uh, I think that the proper construction of the contract, and nothing is ever crystal clear even when you, you think it is and you need to read everything in context, that the proper construction does support the auditor's report. I also read, uh, before you submitted it, uh, the transcript from the November 10th meeting, and it was not as clear to me, uh, Mr. Goldstein, as you're asserting, uh, that there was any intent uh, to create a broad policy that would cover this contract as well. Uh, but I, even if there was an intent to create that policy, there certainly was no express waiver uh, or release of any claim. So I think from, you know, from a policy argument, I understand what you're saying, and that's something that the board can decide. But from a legal uh, perspective, I think it's perfectly appropriate to follow the auditor's recommendations if the board decides to do that uh, and to pursue this claim. Thank you. Commissioner Bogan. You know, I'm just trying to get the facts, and, um, and the facts are I'm looking at something that uh, Commissioner Sharif wrote that says, after reviewing those, come up with a moving forward process to apply to contracts, all contracts, not just the turning notch. No clawback retrospective because there's more than the turning notch. I just, uh, you know, maybe, you know, I'm just want, want to make sure that what we voted on is has not been already approved. And, and um, instead of arguing this, if, you know, so I'd like to really get a comment on, on the motion here. Did we vote on this? Did we approve it or not? That's a you know, the simple question I can get to, to counsel. Uh, to, to me, because I know that uh, Mayor Ryan spoke after that, and to me, it's less than clear uh, that the board voted on an expansive policy here. But Commissioner Bogan, even to the extent the board talked about a policy, the board now has an opportunity to certainly consider that. There is no legal release of any claims. Uh, and, and in reading the transcript, and I, I did try to read it carefully, I just don't believe that the board clearly articulated uh, that it applied to all of the contracts that were uh, discussed in uh, the backup materials or all of the contracts that had representatives uh, here to address the board. Because we, when we're talking, is it 1.6 million in overbilling or 800,000? Well, yeah, let me, let me talk to a couple things. Getting back to the whole contractual legal interpretation or not, you have a legal debate you're going on here, but if you accepted the position of MLA, it disregards common sense. You negotiate a, a term of a contract focusing on 10% on the percentage of profit, but then you have a contract that would be permissive and allow them to charge you 90%. It just defies the business model. It defies the business model in that instance. It defies the business model everywhere else. With this, with respect to this, it defies logic that the board would simply have, like I said, granted expansive immunity to every, that there'd never be any more clawbacks. That, that doesn't make any sense. It, it's inconceivable that the board would do that in that motion. So I think for all those reasons, uh, I disagree 
fervently on this issue. We talk about treating people fairly. We have to treat everyone fairly. There are many, many previous audits where we have recovered money. One today, we're recovering money from DeRose on their overhead audit. We've previously recovered money from other firms all under the same, under the same contracts. We've recovered money. People adhere to it. Some vendors uh, comply with their contract. They understand the rules. They, they play square with us. They get paid correctly. When they make an error and we find the error, they turn around and pay us back. In this case, we're having a vendor who's, who's made an error, accepting they've made an error, and they're saying, oh, don't, it's not fair, it's not fair to make us pay back. So we need to be fair with everyone. We certainly need to be fair with the public. This is not a small amount of money. This is about accountability. This is about the public's money. The public needs to be treated fairly, not just the vendors. You know, uh, maybe Mr. recognize Mayor just uh, briefly. Well, Mr. Goldstein, I'm, I don't really want to back and forth if it's okay. Uh, Commissioner Bogan has the floor. If he wants to call, ask you a question, no, then I'm, absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm done with my questions. Definitely. If uh, thank you. Um, thank you. Uh, we're going to move on to now uh, Commissioner Holness. You know, th this is this has been confusing. Uh, from from the start, uh, and, and and one of the factors that's brought up here is the billing and payment process. Uh, it seems as if contractors believe if they bill and it's accepted and paid, then that's the way it should be. Uh, and and I'm hoping uh, county administrator and our county auditor. If, if we couldn't have, going forward, some sort of a process where when you make your first bill on, on contracts like these, that we ac actually have something done to, to, to take a look to see that it's in compliance uh, with the auditor's office supporting uh, your staff. And I do understand that the staff that we have are not technical people that are processing these bills. And, and, but the, office, the auditor's office has that capability to at least have a quick review to, to see, you know, are, are, is the practice correct? Is, is what's being processed correct? If I might. Um, of course, Ms. Henry. I believe if um, at that meeting we indicated that that's what we would do at the very first um, um, billing. But again, because this is retroactive and what we're doing going forward, this you know, we're still having to address what occurred backwards. Mr. Lukic. Uh, oh, if it's okay, Commissioner Holmes, Mr. Lukic was hoping to respond. I'd like to bring up one other thing about this, and this is, yeah, I, one of the things that, that's really troubling to me is let's, let's look at this whole issue from 10,000 feet. We have a huge disagreement with this vendor, huge disagreement. We have meritorious positions on our side they have on theirs. What I would recommend, you adopt the recommendation. This is not the finality of this. This is simply one step in the process. You accept my recommendations. We go back to recover this. The process after that is they will either comply with our direction or they'll contest it. They contest it through a process of providing more information because, remember, I only looked at a certain period and extrapolated. They'll, they'll muster their legal arguments. We'll muster our legal arguments, we'll go to mediation, we'll go to court if need be, and have an independent, objective third party decide who has the better argument, who has the right, the right thing on this. But simply to, to negotiate and listen to confusing language 
on confusing language, simply to diffuse and deflect is inappropriate in my mind. If we're at this point, we're at an impasse of agreeing or disagreeing, we should move it to the next level. I suggest you accept the recommendations and we let the process continue. Um, Commissioner Holness, where you, do you have more? Yeah, let me, and, and actually I, I was gonna go down that path a little bit, uh, but not exactly where the auditor went. Uh, clearly, there's serious misunderstanding as to whether or not our intent at the previous meeting was to be inclusive of uh, Millerleg and others. Uh, it's clear from the language. There's no, there's no, no doubt that there is confusion there, uh, at minimum. And, and in their eyes, they see it as they were included. In, in ours, uh, auditor not, and, and county attorney has basically said, even if it were we still didn't uh, give up any rights to, to pursue uh, this matter. Uh, and I know that in, in previous, uh, previous issues, we're not all, we have not always recovered 100% uh, auditor. No, in, in fact, it's very typical that this, like I said, this is a step in the process. Typically, and I can give you some examples. We had a um, situation involving a company, one of the first companies audited 13 years ago. Maybe, no, actually it was before it was a county auditor, 15 years ago. Um, it was a, a woman-owned company that was doing some carpet work for us. We found they overbilled us $250,000. We negotiated with them. Part of it was a cash settlement and part of it was working off the balance. You obviously consider several issues. Uh, even, even if you prevail in your argument, you still consider the ability of the people to pay, you consider other things. My only problem with th this idea that somehow we would be having no clawbacks at all it would basically uh, remove the, the necessity, uh, practicality, or importance of any audit function. Be people would basically bill the county willy-nilly, unless you caught them early, you would never get any of your money back. You would never protect the public's interest. That's just an inconceivable outcome. Uh, so as I said, I strongly recommend that you uh, adopt the recommendations and allow this process to continue to its natural conclusion. Uh, may I make a suggestion that uh, we give some time for the auditor, Miller Leg, to get together uh, and, and allow some dialogue and, and see how. If, I understand. At this point in time, though, if we, if we have had that time, another week or two or a couple of weeks is not going to make it any worse. Uh, so that would be my suggestion that we somehow figure out a way. Uh, for us to have some dialogue there and, and see what, what, what possibilities might be proffered. And, and, and then it comes back to us. That would be my recommendation. Um, Mr. Lukic, did you want to respond? I'm the county auditor. Um, yes, I do have a response. I think we've had enough dialogue. We've been bantering this back and forward for months. I think taking the next step ratchets up the pressure for reasonable people to come to a reasonable conclusion. I think we need to go forward. Again, we need to go forward with our process. We need to move it to the next level. This is not an absolute ending of anything. I ex earlier I spoke with, uh, or last week I spoke to DeRose about their issue today. They're concerned about the final number. I assured them that the county does not take money we're not entitled to. We're always fair. We're more than fair with people. If they have other evidence, if they have something else to do, we always entertain that, even after these recommendations. Okay, so if there's a continuing dispute, we need to move the process forward. This is one of the steps in that process. 
I'm, I'm the last one on the queue, and uh, I only think it's fair. You know, I, I believe in, in process, and I did not want to back and forth between uh, anybody, but I did want to give Mr. Goldstein, you, you wanted to say something, so I'm going to ask you a question and give you the opportunity, uh, if it's okay, quickly to, uh, to provide any final response. Going back to, oh, what, two points. One of the things that Mr. Lukic said is that the contractor concedes that it, it has billing errors. And we absolutely do not. Just like during the term of the contract, Miller Leg still insists to this day that under that contract, it billed the county properly. So this is not a situation of where we're, we're agreeing with the county auditor. Our contract is done. It's been completed, and we disagree completely. And then a last thing on common sense. I don't see how this commission, I, I get it from a legal sense. I'm not here as a legal sense. That'll be the next step as if, if you all proceed and, and decide. But we're not here today on a legal sense. We're here on a policy sense. And it is inconceivable for me when you're looking at, if anything, the contractual language for Miller Leg is more fil uh, favorable to Miller Leg. When you look at the contractual language in the DeRose contract, because I represented one of the comp parties in that contract, it talked about actual rates and a reconciliation process. Their contract doesn't have that language. So when you're talking from a public policy perspective, here we have the same issue. Miller Lake participated last time around. This motion, I think, is, and again, Mayor Sharif, the fact that she's not here when Commissioner Bogan's primary question to me was what was the motion um, and and to 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 say that this motion is not clear the common sense public policy issue here when Miller leg was involved in that process similar contract language if not more familiar to say that those contractors get something different than what Miller leg gets when it participated that lacks common sense that's poor public policy and it's terribly unfair and um, but again we dispute the, the findings of the audit in the first place thank you thank you and I guess my suggestion I can't make a motion but I have a, a suggestion and then of course Commissioner Holness I'll call I'll call on you um, the only reason Commissioner Sharif isn't here is she is uh, it's she's on county business uh, in Mexico um, and uh, that, that's the only reason being. Um, but, you know, where I've been struggling with this, and it kind of goes along with Commissioner Bogan, uh, you know, Commissioner Wexler, everybody's uh, questions, and even, uh, you know, Mr. Meyer's uh, interpretation where it's still a little bit confusing as to what we did uh, last November. And it, it is true. The one thing I do agree with that Mr. Goldstein just said was that the maker of the motion was Vice Mayor Sharif. And, you know, right now she's not here. Commissioner LaMarca wasn't here. I know he was also very vocal at that meeting as well. And what I would suggest, it's been going on for 18 months. I don't see the, the harm in having it be deferred for one week so that we can have uh, county commissioners that were actively engaged in this issue uh, before. And even though I can't make this motion, if anybody agrees with me and would like to make a motion to defer for one week, I think that would probably be two weeks. Two weeks. I think that would probably be in the best interest uh, on this issue. Uh, Commissioner and, 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 and I was going to go back to that in, in terms of uh, the fact that Commissioner uh, or Vice Mayor Sharif is not here uh, basically uh, doesn't lend for us to be able to, to do this. 
So my suggestion is that we do make, I, I, I will make that motion. I make a motion that we defer this for two weeks uh, and, and it will allow for uh, Vice Mayor Sharif to be here and, and Commissioner Lamarca, uh, but also give some time uh, for some con conversation probably in between. We might not be productive, but at least they'll be here and, and uh, we can clearly understand maybe more what she, her intent was. Thank you. Uh, Commissioner Wexler. Okay, so when I met with Mr. Goldstein and Miller Lake last week, they told me that Commissioner Sharif was not going to be here today. They also thought that Commissioner Sharif was going to request that this item de be deferred. There was no request by Commissioner Sharif, either in the Monday night memo or the Tuesday morning me memo, gentlemen. Commissioner Ritter will not be here on at the next meeting, and I will not be here for part of the next Okay, and he will not. So are we less important than the two people well, that are here today? Then let's move it to the, 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 the no, last I, meeting. Of the, this the, is know. ridiculous. I mean, but the record speaks for itself, whether Commissioner is here or not from the past. Exactly. Yeah. But before we have it up, Mr. Myers was... I, I just wanted to make sure the record was clear that Commissioner Sharif did intend, because she contacted me, to participate on this item. <clears throat> so perhaps didn't seek a deferral because she thought she'd be able to participate on it. So... By any chance, this is fixed yet? Our intercom? Don't know. Well, let's pay more money to them for another summer. Well, what about okay. this? I so, do, so if, I if I would then amend it, the, the motion to move it to uh, not two weeks, but to, to, to a meeting, a further meeting, uh, which would be the meeting following the next meeting that, that we would have two weeks from now. Uh, and, and, and then I know Commissioner Reader is not going to be here. But I'm sure she'll be happy to go where she's going. And <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so, so that would be my motion that, that we move it to where we can have that, uh, that debate, considering the fact that uh, the indication here is that Commissioner uh, Vice Mayor Sharif would have wanted to possibly uh, move it forward. So that's my motion that we move it to. I, I don't know what the date. Do we have a date? Uh, I'm not looking at calendar. I think I... Can I make can I make course, a suggestion, Mr. Mayor? Bogan. Yes, Mayor. Why why don't we amend the um, the uh, motion and amend it and send this to mediation? And why don't we just send this to mediation to come back by a certain date, certain, and that way things are moving forward and it's not just sitting there. Okay. You know what? I'm I'm okay with that as well. It'll it's come up, back but it's up to but it's uh I mean mediation, okay. So we're not approving what's on there today. We're actually going to go to mediation. I'm making a friendly amendment to to send it to mediation and then it'll come back once they determine there it's an, there's an impasse. Is that is that friendly, Commissioner Holmes? Okay. Mayor, so there's been oh of course, it, uh, Mr. Mike. They, they they would have to agree to, to oh. mediation because it's formal process negotiation. Okay. Uh, Mr. Goldstein, would that be something you'd be amenable to? I, I, I rarely would say no to a mediation, but quite frankly, I don't have client, uh, the uh, firm client consent to agree to that at the moment. But uh, okay. I, I don't see the harm, at least in saying, yes, we'll sit and talk to the auditor, and um, as long as it won't be. Uh, Commissioner, um, we well, have uh, uh, Commissioner Ritter. If you pass it the way it is, it forces them to the table anyway. Right. So, and, and I don't recall ever from this, from the dais moving a meet, 
moving to require mediation between the parties, that's uh, way outside of a policy decision, in, in my opinion. So, uh, we'll make another motion. <laughs> okay. I, it's not his motion. Okay. Mr. Lukey okay, can't make the motion. Uh, I would just move item number 47 I, I, and I, encourage okay. both parties to come to the table, which you're going to do anyway, and seriously negotiate this prior to it coming back into the lap of the county commission. I did. I just Good. moved it. I think there, there actually, I actually think there was a motion and a second already on the table from Commissioner Holness. So that was a substitute motion. You're withdrawing it. All right. All right, so with regard to the substitute motion, it is a motion to move the item in its entirety as it is. Um, uh, all in favor signify by saying aye. aye. All opposed? Show the item passes unanimously. Um, with that said, it is uh, 1231. Um, we are going to break now for lunch, and we'll come back at 2 o'clock for our public hearing. Um,